Hi, my name is Matty and welcome to the first episode of my Complex Stranger podcast. In this podcast, we aim to battle against snap judgment, where we generate a quick judgment according to one's appearance through a quick, reckless and inconsiderate decision-making process that lacks a huge deal of information. Due to the fact that this judgment is generated using the minimum and yet the least factual kind of information, the visual, the judgment is most probably noisy and biased at the same time without us noticing. We don't assume that the judgment is wrong because we heroically reach the end of a decision-making process with a prediction that we think is valid, which is not. In each episode, we start to get to know a stranger through our ears. We listen to their life stories and the highlights that they find the most impactful. We think that the best way to consume each episode is to practice listening and not to jump into any conclusion at least until the end of each episode. One of the most common mistakes that we make encountering strangers, hearing decisions they've made throughout their lives and their feelings is that we completely ignore the context. We cannot evaluate others' decisions without being in the exact moment with the exact mixture of feelings and the exact same backgrounds. We cannot take the mental, emotional, and physical environment that we ourselves live in and then judge the stranger's decisions with our own context. This podcast provides you the ability to work on this natural flaw in human judgment and try to improve it by listening and trying to put ourselves into others' shoes. Try to see people's decisions from their own perspective by collecting more information to figure out how they felt at the moment they were making those decisions. Then we might be able to be better listeners and provide them with the feeling of comfort, security, and trust. In this episode, we are going to listen to Darya, You can find the portrait shots of her that we took during our recording session in the description of the episode. Use the picture as a source of visual information. The picture allows you to obtain the preliminary information that usually gives us the courage to make a snap judgment. But can we figure out what kind of voice does she have only based on this picture? Can we know if she collects butterflies? Can we see her portrait and figure out if she enjoys hugging trees? Not sure about that. So I invite you to listen to Daria's story. Daria. My last name is Nikhaychik, which is hard to pronounce. <laughs> um, so I'm 32 years old. Um, <laughs> I'm from Belarus originally. I was born in Minsk. Minsk? And, yeah, the capital city. And I spent most of my life actually in Belarus. Mm. Um, so I grew up was also in like a small town near Minsk um, in the suburbs basically mm-hmm. I went to school there and um, then I went to the university studied intercultural communication and um, translation 
Mm-hmm. So there was interesting languages, um, English, Italian. That was, yeah, that was really interesting for me. Um, I always wanted to travel when I was little and my parents maybe could not really afford this. Um, I see. So it was my dream to go someplace interesting and maybe see Venice someday, see London, um, interesting places around the world. Uh, for some reason, I wanted to go to your like Western Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, of course, I want to go other places too, right. <laughs> not just Europe. Um, yeah, I moved to Germany when I was twenty-two. And that was um, ten years almost. Wait, I can't believe this. <laughs> well, almost nine years ago. That's true. Um, I did my master's here, also intercultural communication, um, and then I found a job. I was working with bachelor students first. I was doing the international office kind of work, um, and uh, then I found my current job, which I really like. Um, same international office, but with bigger students, <laughs> uh, PhD students and postdocs, yeah, oh. who come from abroad to Germany and they're new and they have no idea what's going on, what they need to do. And there is so much stuff uh, they need to take care of. So I'm usually there to support. Yeah. So I work with people from all over the world and this job makes it real fun. (laughs) So what kind of support do you give them? Yeah, well, first of all, like the support in terms of organizational stuff, like before they arrive, most of the people Mm. need to apply for a visa. Not most, but many of the people need to apply for, for a visa for Germany. And this is when questions start, like, where do I do this? Which documents do I need? I mean, sometimes they need help getting in touch with the embassy or consulate. And this is, this is a lot of fun for me. Um, and then, of course, first steps upon arrival, you know, saying hello, having an orientation, showing them around. Um, I have also like a checklist health insurance, bank, anmeldung, so all the things, you know, when you're new in Germany, things can get very overwhelming. I mean, if you're new in any country in general, um, it's like you get so much information and you don't know anyone. So this is the kind of support, translation support that I give to our newcomers, but also I think uh, organizing activities, kind of social support also emotional support sometimes even Hmm, that maybe that was what what was also missing so i went to this community that people also from around the world and actually went through all things yeah i could get some help yeah exactly uh but for instance opening a bank account i was going like where are you from iran like yeah. It was in Deutsche Bank. There was this woman oh, no. actually pulled out a pa- piece of paper and was like going through a list: Cuba, blah 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 blah, yes. North Korea, blah 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 blah. Iraq. I'm sorry, we cannot open a bank account for you. Oh, this is so, terrible. And then our secretary actually went with me to one of these bank offices. Yeah. And over there in that branch, she was like, "We need to pay him." how can we do that (laughs) and actually i got my first uh salary in cash oh my gosh so the first one i went to university they're like yeah come to this office and i went there was like okay this is your salary (laughs) one two three and then i was like 
Have a nice day. I was like, thank you oh, for having dear. me. Oh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Yeah, so that was the that was the first day. It was very overwhelming. Yes, I know. Yes. So, uh, tell me about your town that you've grown up. So it was like mostly nature and like farms, or mm. it was still like a big city. Yeah, so I, I was in a smaller town, like in the suburbs of Minsk. Well, it's a small separate town called Zaslav, <laughs> Um And there's some green there. Um, it was nice to have a bigger city around, though. So I really enjoyed sometimes going to the city, but at the same time, I needed a break. So then I was really happy that my grandma had a, like, a country house. So I would go there and ride my bicycle. Nice. Yeah, and fall. And then ride the bicycle again. <laughs> I mean, this is something that gave me energy, I realized. And I think that was actually my first experience with nature and forests in general. Oh. I noticed, okay, it gives me energy. Yeah. And, um, yeah, there was a lot of green there. Something I, I also need these days. So it's kind of, it's... Uh, accompanying me through my life totally so there's this book named uh, lost connection yeah i know you've heard of it or you've no, read it not yet it actually talks about the connections that mm. we've lost yes. and then that leads to a lot of problems including yes. mental discomfort yes absolutely and this anxiety that comes with it, one of the one of the connections that is 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 actually nature. Yes. The connection that we've lost with nature. Yes. They're talking about why is it important and there are like many, many studies that yeah. actually you go to nature and you see how massive is the nature and how little you are. Yeah, exactly. And then you feel just embraced yes. with nature and then you feel like okay my problems might not be that big yeah exactly this might is what i feel when i hug a tree <laughs> i'm a tree hugger literally so sometimes i go to the forest like when nobody sees you know and then hug a tree <laughs> and this is what i learned like when i was li little i guess from my mom she would do this sometimes and um i still i keep doing this by myself these days uh, because I noticed, yeah, as you're saying, I feel the tree has been here for maybe several centuries. Mm -hmm. It's seen some generations of people um, enter this world and leave. It's still here, eternally beautiful. Just being part of here and now. It's rooted. It's listening. It's not trying to push or change anything. It's just here in this moment and in this place. Strong, confident, and yet modest. Yeah. I really like a piece by Hermann Hesse. I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. Hermann Hesse is, um, well, I think one of the most famous German, not sure if he was born in Germany though. Um, well, he wrote in, in German, that's for sure. Um, so Hermann Hesse has like an essay about trees and really speaks to me, you know, when I read it like for the first time. Oh, yes. Yeah, he's also talking about this connection, you know, um, the trees have seen so many things and so many moments passed, passed by and 
they are still there. There's this beautiful connection. But Berlin's still a green area, right? Um, so yes. you might not feel that if you want, you can find yourself in If nature. you want, yes. I currently live in Charlottenburg, so yeah, it's kind of um, maybe the area I'm in is more like concrete, <laughs> more buildings. So I really miss the green, but uh, I usually go to Grunewald, which is close by yeah. and is like a scape for me. Also, this place is kind of an oasis of peace and quiet in the in the hectic of the city. We still hear the cars. Still the cars, yes. But yeah, why why here? What what about this place? Life. Yeah, this place, uh, it helped me a lot to to go through some difficult times. Mm. Um, I found this when, well, when I was actually in a, a hospital nearby. Um, oh. Yeah, so I was having a lot of struggle, like mentally, so yeah, some of like people from the hospital told me they went here and they recommended me um, to check it out. So I thought, yeah, I might as well try. And I came here for a guided meditation. There's a meta meditation here once a week. It's uh, basically loving kindness meditation. So it's, a, it's basically about opening your heart. Um, I call it, um, you know, yoga for the heart or fitness for, for the heart um, it's like in order to keep your heart open you need to kind of do the stretching right. <laughs> yeah and this is a practice that is a Buddhist practice and it's very old um, and the idea is actually that we need to wish ourselves good first and then we open up our heart more to include more people mm. so first of all we start with people who are close to us who we like it can be friends it can also be benefactors people who helped us in life then we move on to neutral people yeah we, usually we don't even notice it can be a person selling bread or um, helping you I don't know at the bank <laughs> or if you go somewhere on the S-Bahn this is the person who's actually driving the S-Bahn we never really acknowledge um, in our minds interesting and then we move on to our negative feelings and to people we don't really like or who caused us some pain or damage at some point and the last point is including everyone all beings so this help this place um, is a place of exercise yeah of connection so i think it depends where you do the meditation or what kind of meditation you do now, what i like like i go to buddhist groups so not only here mm -hmm. but um, there's a buddhist group in uh, steglitz um south west of berlin mm -hmm. and there's a zen group Zen Kreis, uh, like Zen Circle, that I also go to in the north. Yeah, they are, I think, they're not so superficial, they are more deep. Yeah, so basically we're learning to look at this interconnectedness 
between us. Um, yeah, while still, still, of course, taking care of our well-being, but there's also the focus on um, the values. Yeah? yeah, the values that are common for all of us, no matter where we come from. I think this is what I learned being in Berlin. Um, when I moved here, I was still very much affected by the Orthodox Christian mm -hmm. values yeah. and ideas because this is where I grew up. Uh, in general, I'm a kind of a spiritual person, um, which is different for me from religion. Yeah. Uh, so when I came here, I realized that uh, my view was just one of the views. Yeah. It's just, uh, there's no right or wrong way here. There's just many ways, different ways. And if you look at them deeply, they actually all boil down to the um, some basic common things, common values, um, humanity, ethics, um, being kind to each other. This is what I kind of discovered mm. um, since I started living in Berlin. And especially since I started going to the uh, Buddhist groups and also by meeting people from, from all, all yeah. over the world. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So um, I have a question actually, how people are interconnected in this melting pot? Yeah, this is a very good question, Madi. Um, well, to be honest, I think there is a lot of isolation mm -hmm. that was still before COVID times, of course. I mean, it's COVID times maybe just made it more obvious, but um, there's been still a lot of isolation or um, lack of connection, I think. I may be wrong, but that's been my experience. It's been hard to find friends or um, I don't know if it's the city or me. <laughs> I don't know. It's hard to explain. Because sometimes I would start questioning myself. Maybe I'm doing something wrong or, you know. Uh, but I think in, in general, it's been hard to connect in general in, in Berlin also. You know? Well, if we're speaking about Berlin and especially like when, we, when I think about your project, um, of course, this might be also like the reason why, why we're not so uh, connected. Maybe we feel like shy or maybe we have stereotypes or um, yeah. Berlin is also a big city. So I think people might need some rest sometimes uh, rather than willing to be willing to connect. What was your experience when it comes to judgment? I don't want I, to. I don't want to do it like with questions. Yeah, sure. But um, yeah. Yeah. Um, what about that? Did you experience mm. yourself? Yeah, sure. I mean, like, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, that. even though I'm not even like a person of color, or I mean, I consider myself kind of a normal, <laughs> regular person. I mean, still, it was sometimes difficult to be honest. When I say I'm from Belarus. Okay, people would think, oh, you drink vodka all the time. Oh, thanks for telling me. No, I don't. Um, or they would think, like, 
I don't know, there's a stereotype, maybe Eastern European girls are more, I don't know, dependent on the guy. Or do, do have you heard anything about Eastern European like girls? Do you have a stereotype of an, or an idea? Maybe a, maybe a bit easy to I get. Think easy comes yeah. the first to mind. Yes. Every, hello. hello. Um, exactly. Every, mm. every American movie that you watch, it's like, yeah, we went to strip club and all Eastern European yes. girls. They're exactly. coming here and they're just, or even not that, like Eastern European girls, they're hot. And they're coming here, and they're easy because get, they need yeah. because they need Americans yes. to get a green exactly. Yeah, a green card. yeah, so this is something I think I've been experiencing to some extent. Mm. Um, maybe this kind of stereotype uh, about Eastern European girls. Um, then it would also be like my last name, which nobody can pronounce here. Like, yeah, I mean, it's people think kind of automatically I don't belong here you know or <laughs> it's hard to explain but um so you you you're having this feeling yes so after after nine years yeah that's of true living here, yes after nine years of I feel like deeply and profoundly contributing to this country. Yes, that's true. Sometimes I still get that feeling. And of course, being a woman, uh, that's another thing. Like the other day, I got sexually harassed in the store. Uh, I mean, verbally, um, there was no touching, no physical contact, but still, uh, this is something I would never expect, to be honest, um, in 2021, in a well-known store. I mean, and not that I'm considering myself super hot or I was I was really wearing something revealing. No, I was wearing my regular clothes. My chest was covered even. And I wanted to ask the guy for to help me with the repairs. I was just being nice, but not like, uh, I want to go on a date with you, nice. <laughs> but he was totally um, crossing the line. Mm. Um, like saying things that are completely inappropriate um and yeah this is another thing you have to like deal with quite often even um surprisingly i didn't think this would happen you know again in berlin very yeah. open city and in the 21st century um yeah, yeah. Like with all the staring at your chest, you know, or uh, making comments, or uh, I don't know. So this is something, this is another thing that comes to mind, being misjudged or um, being confronted with, I think. Um, my point, like, like still, as, as a European person, yeah. You, I see when, when you're talking, I see like, okay, you still separate verbal harassment with yes. physical harassment. Yeah, no, I still I consider mean, it, it's yes. harassment, yes. I mean, of course, yeah. physical harassment are more dangerous, sure. but, but still verbal no, it's harassment. harassment. No. no, it's not just I'm playing it down, it's just to explain, to, to calm you down, to make sure like yeah. I'm safe in the sense of physical safe. Yes. Um, but yeah, it was still something you confront 
still quite quite often. <laughs> quite often. Well, I mean, not like every day or every week, but um, this would happen sometimes. Oh. The other, like last year, um, I had an incident with the representative from the realtor company or the Hausverwaltung company. And I mean, we were in a, actually kind of business formal situation. He was representing his company and I was a customer in that situation. And, you know, um, first of all, he was half an hour late. He didn't apologize. This is another thing about stereotype because if I'm, I'm a woman, maybe I'm Eastern European, I probably don't have a job. I don't know, it's hard to explain, but he, he didn't give anything, any zero Fs, you know, about like being late. Um, I was like, okay, um, yeah, I've been waiting, you know, I also have a job. Can you maybe next time at least give me a call? Uh, he kind of flipped out. Yeah, he flipped out. Um, he said terrible things like, I don't know. Um, yeah, then he started kind of maybe trying to hurt me in some ways, mm. uh, verbally. Like, oh, such a difficult name uh, and such a nice appearance. You know, crazy things like this. Or, yeah. And then, like, we were having a tour around the apartment, and he was like, yeah, so when are you getting married? I was like, what? Sorry, why is this relevant to this situation? Why are you asking it at all? Um, yeah, so that you can change your difficult last name. <laughs> Soon. Yeah, and this is the situations, like, that I thought wouldn't even happen, you know, in my life. <laughs> I mean, I still consider it, uh, of course, on the scale of you know, verbal versus physical, of course, it's, it's a small kind of thing. Um, <laughs> but it's still very difficult <laughs> to deal with. I don't know. I don't, my last name is quite hard as well. Yeah. My last name is not easy peasy. Yeah. Uh, and... I've also heard the same things, like I yeah. called for vaccination and I, th I called to get, yeah. a, to get an appointment and the guy was like, okay, what's your name? What's your last name? Yes. And I spelled it. Like, yes. 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 <laughs> and he said, and he was just asking to just, you know, fill the, fill the empty text box. Yeah. And then he was like, email, but please. Give me an easy one. <laughs> it was like having a hard time. Aww. But I've seen people trying. Trying to pronounce it the best way. Yes. In the best way that they try. Yes. And also it's kind of correct and they're not you you don't feel insulted or something. Yeah, that's true. There's also a lot of people like that on a positive note. Yeah. yeah. Also at work, for example. Um, there's a couple of people who are actually good at pronouncing my last name because <laughs> they and it seems like they're trying you know they're yeah. interested that's the that's the point right yeah. so i mean what if you get married and your husband wants to take your last name right yeah, exactly i mean these things happen right yeah. i mean if he likes your last name I, was like, oh, I actually like it and i want to get it so yeah it's how how on on earth it's any of your business <laughs> yeah exactly i mean 
I was speechless, to be honest. Well, I guess he was just trying to hurt me because, yes, he was just trying desperately to hurt me for putting, putting him on the spot for being late. And I'm a woman and, and I'm Eastern European woman and I'm younger and I'm probably not supposed to be doing this in his opinion. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So situations like this happen. Um, I mean, I'm not allowing them to bring me down. That's great. Um, so still kind of makes me think, you know. Mm. Yeah, some people are actually super closed. Close. Yeah. Hello. Hello. Nice yeah, very very nice people here. Very smiley. Yeah, that's very actually... peaceful with a glow. Um, yeah. So for me, so you asked like in your questionnaire, what is the thing that maybe other people don't know about you mm -hmm. at first sight, or uh, it's hard for them to figure out, or maybe they get surprised when they find out. Yeah. So for me, I think it's um, often. Um, the fact that, you know, I've been dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder for mm -hmm. a while and um, including depression, of course, and anxiety. So, and since I work with many people, like, um, also in a very friendly environment and a friendly job, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm the contact person for so many newcomers and I also enjoy being, you know, nice and welcoming and mm -hmm. friendly. Um, but I think many people get the stereotype or idea that I'm always like this. Mm. And, um, but t the truth is that I'm not. And I mean, it's not like I'm wearing the mask all the time. No. I mean, of course, there is this work mode that I enter, you know, when I enter my job, enter my workplace. However, um, I still genuinely am happy. <laughs> Most of the times, you know, because meeting people from all over the world, it's like brings me energy and helping them, you know, it brings me joy. Yeah. So my smile is genuine <laughs> most of the times. Yeah. But I and think that's how I know you. So when exactly. your name pops up, I was like, ah, oh, that, that smiley girl. <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing is that behind the smile, there is sometimes, or very often, or even always, there's a different side. Yeah? The side probably that people don't show, or are afraid to show. For example, in my case, I sometimes don't talk about this thing. Of course, I don't want to advertise it to everyone that, about my struggle. Um, but, like, if I tell so someone, they look... Oh, I wouldn't I tell because you're always so happy and smiley. Um, but to be honest, behind behind the facade, sometimes yes. there is a different uh, perspective, different struggle that we don't see, an yes. internal struggle. I think in each of us, to a certain extent. In my case, I was actually I grew up in an abusive environment at home, um, also like alcohol abuse. Uh, from my father and also like physical abuse sometimes so definitely verbal abuse all the time so it took me knowing myself like looking back 
I now realize that I've been struggling with this since since I was mm. little, but I just didn't know how it's called. Um, like only recently, I feel like okay, now I'm on the path to recovery, on a very good mm. path. But it's been like up until recently, maybe a few years back. I see. So. But this is something, um, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but like, this is something that I thought of, like when I read the questionnaire. Um, yeah, I, on the one hand, I feel like I would like to share this yeah. because so many people are struggling with the same. There's even like a club for adult children of an alcoholics, self-help group that honestly before, I wouldn't think would exist because I thought I felt so alone with this problem yeah um, but I would go there and I feel this person is the same he is me me is him we had the same experience basically a very similar experience and like that's why I want to share so that other people can also feel that they're not alone with this mm -hmm. yeah when I read for example okay this person maybe famous person I'm not famous but maybe a famous person shared they had this struggle or when I read okay Lady Diana she was actually yeah she had borderline um, you know symptom and this is something I would never I would never think of even she was always so kind and smiling but behind this, there was so much darkness as well, you know, so much struggle and pain. Um, <clears throat> so I think maybe if I share this, I mean, I'm not famous, but at least come, maybe people who know me or other people might think, yeah, I also have this. Or I've been also struggling with this and it's not a stigma, it's not a label. Yeah, it's many people face this and I'm not alone with this. Yes yeah on the other hand like i'm still struggling like okay uh, i'm afraid of people labeling me after mm -hmm. this yeah that actually you made a great point when you're a kid you feel like okay but this is the thing that's only happening to you yes and unless you hear similar thing yes. again you wouldn't shout it no you wouldn't say yes look i got yeah. harassed like yeah. this and, and nobody does anything yes as as long as nobody comes and says as you said maybe famous people yeah. then you feel more sympathy well like, ah oh, yeah. i feel better relief, no, no, little, i can yeah. go out and exactly. shout about it yeah. right yeah but the problem is people judging you yeah. based on you based on the thing you had no control over exactly and that actually makes you more strong that actually makes you a person that actually overcome that problem yeah. compared to somebody that never experienced it and they were they're in a very good situation they're like okay i'm in the same situation you see my smile always yes but i've passed that time yeah and that yeah. makes me a strong yeah. person in fact yeah i just wanted to say it does i realized i'm actually grateful for this experience i mean it was also terrible let's be honest um but I learned that if it hadn't been for that experience, I wouldn't be the person I am now. 
and I wouldn't be able to appreciate so many wonderful things I do have now in my life, even simple things, you know. And I realized this is actually that was needed for me in order to become a better person. Yeah, I think that's the case. Now you see with the COVID situation. Yeah. You go to the beach, you go to the restaurant, and I was like, oh my God, you see people, people yes. are outside. You would never appreciate yes, this. You exactly. have to lose it. Yes. Then you're like, okay, now I have this and I appreciate this. Yes. In December, I almost lost my parents. Oh, I'm almost. so sorry. Both of them got COVID. No. My mom was really bad. Mm. My mom was bad. She was, uh, she couldn't talk. She couldn't go to the bathroom on her mm. own. I'm she so was sorry. And then my, my dad was fine. Mm. But after a couple of weeks, like this, mm. she was, he was like, I was talking to my sister. My sister said, yeah, he needs liver transplant. Oh my God. I was like, what? <gasps> liver transplant. When? He was going to the office until yesterday. So he was like, no, it's not going for three, four days. I was like, what happened? Yeah. And thank God, he's, he's way better now. He's good. He's so way happy. better. Did he have the transplant? He, so basically, it wasn't possible because there were no liver yeah, available. Another issue, right? Because that's the first thing that yeah. wasn't available. Second, it's a very hard yeah. procedure. Sure. And the doctor that over there, he was like, I'm one of the persons that actually can do that. So it's not many people, although I'm one of the rare number of people, but still I haven't had the surgery for two months. Mm. So it's not easy. It's not that looking good. It, yeah. yeah. And then, I'm so sorry. and actually in his last test, his liver started working again. And oh. that was like a miracle. It is us. a miracle. I'm so like, glad. What? Now it's so. Wow. Yeah. How? It was, it yeah. was just stunning. And it's amazing. So happy for you guys. I had very hard time. Yes. That I couldn't go there. That I couldn't be with them. Yeah. In that hard time, and it was my sister alone. Wow. And now, after that hard time, I'm like every single day. Yeah. I'm like I'm so grateful. I have my parents. Yes. I see that they, they mentioned in the movie, they mentioned in in a talk or whatever, that yeah, people that are lucky to have their pets. I never felt that before yeah. December. Right. They always say, yeah, you have your pets, you're so lucky. You have your beloved ones, you're so lucky. I never felt that. Yeah. I never, I heard them, I was like, that's true, but I never held it with my yes. heart so deeply. True. And now I hear it and I just might, my heart actually oh. skips a bit and oh. I'm like how so i am that i have my parents yes. now how lucky i am that in a month i'm going to see them oh so, so i just can't you. wait that oh my god i'm so happy yes this is a miracle i now i can just go over everything i lost both of them and i got them back yeah and now I know what I got. The next thing was that I'm sad for what's happening. So it means that I was happy before. Yes. It means that I had the ability to love. And appreciate that. And appreciate that. And now I'm, 
I'm, I have the ability to love. It's very, I see in society people that cannot love, yeah. people that are struggling to open to up, be, to love, to open up, yeah. to be available, to be vulnerable, to be vulnerable, yeah. right? You don't see it yeah. in this narcissistic yes. world that, yeah, I'm vulnerable. You might name it as being uh, needy. Needy or weak. Or weak or desperate. Yeah, you can I label mean, it different ways, right? right? Whatever, yeah. whatever you have, right? But yes, I'm vulnerable, but that it, that comes from my love. Yes. And my feeling to my beloved ones. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. Yes. I'm vulnerable to the people that don't use that vulnerability against me. Yes. What you see in this situation, in this world, when yeah. somebody knows that, ah, this it's is vulnerable. Yeah. I need to take advantage of that. Exactly. Yeah. That is... This is what happens to me. I'm also vulnerable. Um, kind of opening up, you know. and But I, I manage also to open up and show the vulnerability sometimes. But yeah, then I figure, like, it's not always easy because some people are literally taking advantage of you for this. Um, but then, and then I kind of get frustrated, like, oh, why did I open up? And then on the other hand, I start thinking, no, it was the right thing to do. Because if I don't open up, I will be a piece of stone. I mean, I will be this robotic person, maybe cold, who doesn't feel much. Yeah, and if I do open up, of course, there will be vulnerability. There will be showing vulnerability and also getting hurt sometimes. Um, but without this, without opening up, you won't be able to experience the most wonderful moments you have. Exactly, 100% agree. And yeah, that comes from the most beautiful feature of being human. Yes. And it's like loving someone, opening it up to them and safely feeling vulnerable. Yes. And feeling that, okay, with this person, whoever he or she is I'm vulnerable I'm putting themselves before my before me I'm putting their priorities before mine yes but I'm safe yes. I feel safe yes and that is what we are missing I feel yes. like in this in this world yeah and without it you cannot connect no you can't connect to people you can't make friendship you can't make relationship you yes. can't make any connection that lasts yes for long yeah any deep connection any deep connection yeah ah yeah so strong <laughs> and i think we shouldn't care about the labeling yeah we shouldn't care about people judging people they will always judge you that's true they not if not me someone else because yes. this is their thinking yes. in fact it might make people some more people relate to this more and open up you know yes. totally mm. what you heard was the first episode of the podcast my complex stranger I hope you enjoyed the experience of listening. Now you can return back to the portrait and check it out again. Do you see the person beneath? 
Do you feel closer to the person in that flat and two-dimensional picture? I hope you do. Before I sign off, I would like to say that I was so lucky that after publishing the introduction episode, many reached out, supported me in the podcast, and I was flooded with their kind words. I'd like to once again thank them all here. Also, many friends kindly offered help with the production process of the podcast, and I'm thrilled that people that I'm surrounded by take the problem of snap judgment seriously and see it as a real challenge in our society. I hereby would like to emphasize that the only and the best way to support this project is to share it with your friends and introduce it to your loved ones. We are all beneficiary if the ones that we spend the most of our time with are good listeners.